of September. Boy, we got a couple mics that are competing. What they're doing is they're competing for frequencies. And I could preach that sermon right there. I could preach. I should have been my sermon. Competing frequencies. Uh, all you know, with all of our phones and devices, these wireless mics, they they need to be reconnected, just like we do. Amen. Anybody want to preach that for me today? No, I got I got another different message. But so I'm really excited about the opportunity for us um, and the way the conference is investing in us, and so be able to be here full time. And I can't wait to uh, see what that looks like. This will be the first time I've ever had just one church. Can you believe that? And uh, I am excited about it. And I'm coming after you, too. I'm coming knocking on your door unannounced at 2 in the morning. See what you were watching on Netflix. No, just kidding. I, I won't do that. Just sign me up as a Netflix friend. I'm not, I can't afford my Netflix uh, subscription. I'm just kidding. Well, Becky did a wonderful job preaching last week. Becky preached a monster sermon. You got to go check that out. It was, ble- it was a blessing to be here and watch her minister and preach. And so I'm just going to kind of jump in the flow. All the leaders have been preaching and taking over. And so I'm just going to slide in today and preach one of my favorite verses. And you might, this might be one of your favorite verses. I'm, I'm guessing maybe somebody in the room may know this verse. And it's found in 2 Corinthians. And I got my old school paper non-digital Bible just because it makes you look so spiritual when you have one of these Bibles you don't have to know how to find anything in it you just need to have a big huge Bible it looks so spiritual but that's not why I just like this analog version so these verses it might read a little different in in a version you may remember uh, if you grew up in church if you didn't it's okay here's what it says Verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are pressed on every side by troubles. We are crushed, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. We are pressed, but not crushed. We are perplexed or cast down, or perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are cast down, but not destroyed. We get knocked down. We suffer. We have issues, we have problems, but we are not destroyed. Is anybody just encouraged by the fact that you know you've had some struggles, you know you've had some problems? Come on, you've had some court dates, you've had some medical appointments, you've had some late payments, but you're still here, you're praising God, you're giving God your best. You might have been pushed down, but you're not destroyed. Father, we thank you so much to celebrate this verse today. And as we teach it and unpack it, I pray today that someone will be encouraged to know that you have not left them, you have not forsaken them, and that it's not time to stop. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. This will be amazing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My favorite verse. I love this uh, preaching series that we've been in because it's given us an opportunity to kind of share 
what verses mean a lot to us. And a lot of us may be new to scripture, right? Like the Bible's maybe something you haven't really read before, don't know much about. That's okay. I don't want you to be intimidated by that at all. But hopefully some of these verses that have meant so much to us uh, can begin to, to bless you and that you can find a verse that really touches your heart. And I want to tell you, it's not how many verses you know. It's not about your knowledge and about your wisdom. It's the fact that for some reason, when you read something or you hear something, it just gets deep down inside of you and it just begins to move in you in a way that it shows up later in your life. One verse uh, says, your word have I hidden in my heart so that I won't sin against you. In other words, the more scripture that we put deep down inside of us, it shows up when we need it. To this day, I can still hear my mother's voice telling me not to do something. I'm a grown man. And I just saw my mom a couple weeks ago. But to this day, I can, can anybody just had a mom like that? You can just hear, boy, don't you do that, right? And maybe it's through the voice of my wife. I don't know. But I still hear my mom's voice. She put it deep down inside of me. And that's the way God's word works for us. When it gets saturated in the bones, it shows up when we need it. We have other words that show up when we don't want them to, right? Let somebody cut you off. huh? Let somebody start messing with your family. A whole bunch of words, a litany of profanities will rise up and begin to speak. I don't care how spiritual you are. You stub your toe at 3 o'clock in the morning. There is a, there is a praise <laughs> on your lips in the middle of the night. And so God's word has a way of showing up. And I love this verse. And because maybe it's because there's a new word that I love. And when I was studying this verse, it reminded me of this word. It's not in the Bible. It's kind of a new word. I love to do studies on words. This word is kind of relatively new, uh, introduced really in the 1800s late 1800s. And it's the word resilience. Anybody ever heard this word before? Resilience. I love this word. One of the community organizations that I'm involved in is the Pasco Discovery Coalition, and it is a substance abuse prevention coalition. It is all about preventing younger people from from really abusing substances. Substances. And the word that is used in prevention science all the time is resilience. The reason is what we do as a coalition is what we work to build resilient communities. Resilient communities and then rebuilding resilient families and resilient young people. It's not that drugs are ever going to go away. That's not true. Crime is never going to go away, but families and people and communities can be resilient to it. Health crises such as crack, epidemics of opioids, things like that. A community can be resistant and resilient, excuse me, from what is happening at that time. Your own body for medical people in here has an immune system that helps you become what? resilient to illnesses, to sickness. And I love this word because in a spiritual way, it it encourages me to know that at some point, 
I'm going to have trouble, right? I'm going to have trouble. It's not that we're not going to have trouble. It's that a Christian or a believer who is following God learns that I'm not going to get through this trouble by myself. That I need God's power and strength to help me become resilient. Resilient doesn't mean that you don't receive trouble or receive problems. It simply means you keep getting back up. Now, I'm old school, maybe not that old school, but I'm still old school. That I didn't grow up with a device as a toy. I had real toys. Real toys, not virtual toys, real toys. And one of these real toys that I had, maybe you had one, it was a little thing that blew up. And it had like a little boxer on it or a clown's face. Anybody had that toy I'm talking about? And you would punch it, right? And it would just go back and it would come right back up. Anybody remember that toy? I used to punch that thing so hard thinking I was just going to blow it up, knock it out. I tried every single day. And it made me so mad that when you punch it, it would just keep coming back up. And I'd punch it harder. Punch it harder and it keeps coming back up that thing looked like rocky two three and four because that's all rocky was 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 that toys hey boo boo boom rocky would just keep getting up adrian go go old school watch watch a little rocky and get motivated see when you follow jesus it's an invitation to trouble let me just be honest with you when you follow god you are being invited to trouble It's a different kind of trouble. That's maybe one of the hardest things it takes to follow God is because you grew up in a a world like this. You get used to your kind of trouble. I was outside uh, uh, just last week with a member I will not disclose, but who comes from a similar community and background as I do. And somebody decided to light some fireworks at three o'clock in the afternoon, and you should have seen me and my brother as we heard the fireworks, because deep inside of us and the communities that we have grown up in, we have learned deductive reasoning, and we have learned that a sound at a certain frequency from a certain distance at a certain velocity could equal a gunshot, and therefore our responses are automatic. And so when we heard that firework, which was sounded at the frequency of a gunshot, both of us had a similar response because we are used to that kind of trouble. I don't care who you are. You drive by my house with the lights off and with your windows down, there's going to be trouble. Somebody ought to say amen because I am used to that kind of trouble. But when we follow God, It's a whole different set of trouble. It's the kind of trouble that your natural response can't get you out of. It's the kind of trouble that your natural ability and intellect can't reason you out of. There's some types of trouble that when you decide to follow God, it just shows up. And it's fearful sometimes. Like I'm not used to this kind of trouble. I'm not used to dealing with problems this way. It used to be when I had problems, I'd go get me a half a liter of Coke and some E&J and make some Irk and Jerk and sit down and, and chill. Some of y'all don't know what that is. But that's what, that's, that used to be how I handled this. A fifth. Right? Or whatever it was for you. But God says, no, we don't handle things 
this way. When, when you were a child, you spoke like a child. Now you are an adult. Now you are growing up. Now you are coming into the fullness in which I've created you and your best self, the highest self that I've created for you to be is rejecting what your impulses and intuition tells you to do. It's a different kind of trouble. It's one kind of trouble to be a man of many women. Hmm? Yes, that's, that's trouble. I've seen some brothers get into some trouble like that. It's another kind of trouble to be with the same woman for 35 years. Y'all brothers just keep looking straight. Don't, I'm, don't worry about it. I got you. Don't nod. Don't move. Don't say nothing. It's one thing, ladies, can I help the sisters out, to deal with a brother that you can hook up, right? He may not have everything together but at least he'll do what you tell him to do come on somebody say amen (laughs) I'm helping the sisters out it's another thing to deal with that brother who seems like the older he gets the smaller his vocabulary gets like a brother just learned a different language huh Mm Mhm. that's fine with me that's all the words you hear all day long different kind of trouble to say I'm going to stick this thing out how resilient are you following Jesus is an invitation to trouble when I was in the 10th grade for the second time or the 11th grade for the second time I'll tell you that story another day we got into some trouble my cousin and I my cousin was from Atlanta and we got into a little bit of trouble at this public school needless to say uh, we had reached an agreement to that they had reached an agreement for a trade They were trading me from the public school to the private school because I wasn't working out in the public school. And so we went to this private school, Auburn Adventist Academy, and we found out they had a basketball team. And me and my cousin were like, basketball team for real? Oh, we're going to make this team. And so we were playing basketball during lunch. And we, you know, we're talking all kind of trash. Is that the starting point guard? Really? Wow. I hope he's strong. His feelings are about to get hurt because his days are over. Is that the starting forward? Really? Wow. I crossed him up about 15 times during lunch in my Timberlands. This is going to be a cakewalk. So me and my cousin decided to try out for the basketball team. And we ran into some trouble. We found out that tryouts was a week long. And the first three weeks of basketball tryouts did not involve a basketball. In fact, the first two hours of the tryouts did not involve a basketball at all. It involved 100% cardio. I had handles. I could play some defense, talk a little trash, but her brother hadn't run in a long time. Unless a dog was chasing me, that was it. And I mean, we were sucking wind. I mean, we were tired. We were throwing up. We were a hot mess all week. Needless to say, I did not make the basketball team in the way I thought I was going to make it. Because by the end of the week, them jumpers was falling flat. (laughs) By the end of the week, them crossovers was real slow. 
And for some reason, everybody started to get faster and faster and quicker and stronger and better than I had imagined. Now, my cousin, he was 6'1". He could jump out the gym. He made the team. I was about, you know, all of 5'2", about 135 pounds with a life jacket and size 10 Jordans, and it didn't work out. See, signing up for the basketball team was an invitation to trouble. It was an invitation to something that I wasn't prepared for. And here's where theologically I have a problem with trouble and suffering. Because the Bible tells me that one day soon, Jesus is going to come again for the second dime. And the Bible tells us that there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more anguish. All of our glass, we won't need any glasses. Uh, Brother, you get your hair back. You'll have a nice afro and dreadlocks, right? We won't need those spanks and all that other stuff. We won't need any of that stuff. We're going to look good in heaven. Right. And maybe I don't know, maybe we won't have perfect bodies. Maybe I don't know what perfect will look like in heaven. It'll look whatever it looks like to God. But pain will be gone. And so I've always wrestled with if we're going to heaven, if God is going to bless us with that life and there's going to be no suffering there. What's the purpose of suffering here? How is suffering here getting me ready for there? How is pain here getting me ready for there? And I struggled, and I still struggle, with the philosophy of suffering and pain. Why do we have to suffer? Because the Bible says different things about suffering. In fact, it describes that the Jesus that we love, it was described as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. It describes that Jesus' life was a life of suffering. It wasn't just the finality of the cross. It was a life of suffering. And what I begin to understand is that this invitation to follow God is not an invitation to run from trouble. It is an invitation to trouble. Mm. Because the God we serve decided that his people, you and I, were in trouble. And God did not take a consultant view. God did not send uh, someone, an associate, to negotiate and bargain a plea deal. No. God himself came in the flesh of Jesus in the midst of the trouble and lived in the trouble and received the trouble so that we can have everlasting life. And so God is not afraid of our trouble. In fact, he was willing to dive into the earth in the midst of sin and chaos, and he came out successful, which means that he can come into the midst of your chaos and your craziness and your turmoil and turn things around if you let him. And so there's got to be a purpose. Is it possible that God is not creating trouble or allowing trouble to come, but that he's inviting us to know what it means to provide comfort to others in trouble? It, it, could it be that God is saying, I'm inviting you to trouble So that you can overcome trouble, that you can deal with trouble, but also be able to provide comfort for those in trouble. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus sympathizes with us 
not as one who doesn't know, but as one who knows our infirmities. Jesus understands our trouble. Jesus took on all the suffering so that he might comfort us in our struggle to say, yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. The Savior, a loving God says, I'm going to experience what temptation looks like, what pain looks like, what oppression looks like at every point in the human experience so that I can know what trouble feels like in order to comfort you when you're going through it. And so let me break this text down real quick because I love this text. Can we pull the, the main text back up on the screen for me? It says we are oppressed. So let me tell you what happened. Let me, let me back up. Let me tell you what happened with, with Paul. So Paul, the one writing this, is a church planner. He's a pastor. And he planted a church in Corinth. What happened was, you know, it's not like today where he can just show up anytime he wants. They didn't get to watch him on live stream. He came for a couple days and he left. What had happened was there were false teachers And there were people coming into the church that he planted. That church was named Ephesus. And he came and they came into the church and they started compromising Paul's leadership. They started to say, man, that Paul, you sure he was right about this? You sure Paul had that all figured out? Do you remember exactly what he meant by this? Because I don't think that's what it really meant. And here's where they were really getting Paul, because Paul was suffering. He was being persecuted. He was being afflicted, and he was having trouble. And in the mindset of people who had grown up in church, where this trouble was coming from with these new believers, they believed that when you trouble was a result of your sin. And so they were saying, I don't really think you can trust Paul Because he's got a lot of trouble in his life. Have you ever ever thought the same thing about people? Uh, They can't really have any wisdom from me. Their life is still kind of messed up. Used to be back in the day, people say, people have a financial struggle or a problem. They say, well, that's because they weren't giving tithe and offering. You know, that kind of judgmental theology and spirit. Y'all remember that kind of stuff. And so they believe, well, the more struggle and the more problems you were having meant that God was punishing you. And so Paul was being undermined because he was reporting back to them, we've had some trouble. But Paul's trying to explain to them where the trouble is coming from. So let's, let me jump back to uh, the first verse that I want to share. So we got to go back to the beginning of Corinthians. Here's what it says, verses 1 and 3. He says, Paul writes this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is the merciful Father. Watch this. The source of all comfort. Comfort comes with God. It's God's intention to comfort us. It's not God's intention to hurt us. Keep going. He comforts us in all our troubles. Watch this. So that we can comfort others. The comfort that we receive It's for the comfort of others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. 
For even when we are weighed down by troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. Is that making sense? Paul's trying to break it down. He's saying the more trouble we get is the more comfort we're receiving to give you in your, in your trouble. The more we run, the better shape we are in to help the team win. So the more discomfort we're getting is that we would be filled with comfort for the troubles that you don't even realize are down around the road for you. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. So I'm promising you, when you go through it, we're going to come and comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. Paul's saying, look, don't get it twisted. That this suffering that you are, this, these people are trying to get you to judge us by is coming to you. He says, we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort. That God gives us. See, this is why you need church people. This is why you need community. This is why you need family. Because there's something that somebody else has that you need for the trouble you're going through. And there's something that you have that someone else needs because you've gone through it. You need family. So Paul breaks it down. Now we go to chapter 4. Paul breaks it down. He says, let me break this down to you. Let me tell you how this works. He says, look, we're living in a state of resilience. We're living in a place that we are receiving so much trouble and so much discomfort and so much problem. But here's how we're dealing with it. He says, we are pressed but not crushed. Can we break that down for a second? We are under pressure. Anybody got some pressure? We are under pressure. Khalil Mack is on the other side on the defensive line. And we're in, we got no backs in the backfield. You know, y'all know I'm missing football now when the football analogies come out all summer. (laughs) And Russell's like, all right, they're blitzing right now with Khalil Mack. We're, we're under pressure, but Paul says we're not crushed. We're not compressed. Our form hasn't changed. See, when something is compressed like a water bottle, when you squeeze it, it loses its form. And see, resilience is really about getting back into shape. See, here's the problem. Sometimes when we get pressure and we get crushed, we don't have the ability to bounce back into the form we were. Someone hurt us, something came against us, and we don't bounce back to where we really were. Being resilient in God means I can get pressed, I can get crushed, but I'm going back to the shape I was in. You're not going to disfigure me for life. I'm going to respond back and be back to the form I was. He says, I'm pressed. I got a blitz coming, but I'm not crushed. I'm still getting ready to throw this touchdown to my receiver. I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. Here's what he says next. We are perplexed, but not driven by despair. I like this. He says, I'm perplexed. I don't understand what's wrong with these people. Anybody ever been perplexed? Ever walk in a job and be like, what is wrong with these people? You ever gone home and said, what in the world? I'm perplexed. I'm confused. 
of what you just said out of your mouth. It doesn't make any sense to me. Is something wrong? Anybody ask yourself, is something wrong with me? Am I crazy? Because I am really seriously perplexed by what I just saw. Paul is saying, we are, we are confused with what is happening in this church, but we are not driven to despair. What he's saying is, we still got hope. This may look confusing. This may look crazy, but we still got hope. It's not over. You may get into a spot with your primary relationship, your children, your, your spouse, whatever, whatever loving relationship you're in, and you're going to hit a place and say, you know what? This is perplexing. Don't make any sense how we got here. But if we don't give up our hope, we are, we are perplexed, but not in despair. He says we are hunted down. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. I think this is probably one of my favorite. He said we are mistreated because what, what this word persecuted means. We are mistreated because of what we look like on the outside. I wish I had time to preach that. They're going after us because they know who we are or they know who we think we look like. They're persecuting us. They are attacking us because of who we are. There's nothing we can do about it. We can't change it. We can't hide it. That's the reason they're coming after us. But he says, but I'm not alone. I'm not forsaken. I'm not abandoned. There's a family with me. There's hope. There's community. We might be facing a situation where we are hunted down, but we are not abandoned by God. Finally, he says this, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We like that punching thing. Boom. Because look, life's going to hit you. Can anybody testify to that? We get hit. We get knocked down. Sometimes we're so proud that we can't even fall. You know, we like, are you good? You're like, man, I don't know. You don't look good. Like, it's a big knot on the side of your head. No, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, I'm, ain't nothing wrong with me. Would you just go ahead and cry? You know, it's, just, it's okay to cry. Release it. Let it go. No, I ain't going to cry. My man. Knock down. But I'm not destroyed. I'm not defeated. And it was interesting as I watched the rest of the basketball season. That high school year. It started out with running, and that's what we did for practice every single day. The coach's philosophy was very simple. He just said, we're going to outlast the other team. That was the most simple philosophy. He said, we're just going to outlast them. And I watched every game that we won, and we won a lot of games. In fact, we won whatever Christian championship there was at the time, literally because... By the fourth quarter, everybody else was tired. And that's usually when I came into the game, just by the way. We were up about 20 points. Everybody else was tired. Everybody else was sleepy. Everybody else was hungry. Everybody else couldn't last. But even when we got knocked down, even when a team went up on us and we got compressed and we got shrunk, eventually... We started coming back into form. Eventually, our heads wouldn't hang down. We start to get our swagger and our strength, and we began to run. I love the way Paul closes this verse. He says, though suffering 
our, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Verse, oh, did I start at verse? Oh, there we go. That's, oh, I'm sorry. Verse 16, 18. That's what I meant to say. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. Do you see that? Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. I'm going to read 18 and go back to 17. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that can't be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul's mind was made up that he understood that the trouble I see right now is not going to last forever. And what I can't see, what I am believing in, the glory that's going to come, the glory that was shown in the resurrection of Jesus gives me hope to understand that I'm not going to fix so much on the trouble right now. I'm not going to look at every single time there's a blitz on the playbook. I'm going to look at the scoreboard. I'm going board. I'm going to look towards the end of the season. I'm going to look at and see myself holding that championship trophy. And so if I can just be resilient in the trouble I have now and not be afraid of the trouble that's coming, but keep my eyes on the one who's experienced every trouble that I'll ever experience and that he is standing with me, then I can endure this and not only endure it, but pour out comfort for all of those around me. Here's what I want to say to encourage you. I wanted to encourage you today, but I want to challenge some of you. And this is the way God gave it to me. This trouble is lasting way too long. The trouble that you're in was not meant to last this long. It's too long. This was a temporary trouble. This was a seasonal trouble. This was just something for a little while. But for some reason, it's gone too long. And God is trying to encourage you to say, first of all, you might be crushed, but you're not destroyed. You might have been knocked down by this, but you're not abandoned. What you need to do is open up your heart and allow me to comfort you. And do not reject the ministry that I have assigned to you in the trouble. Because you know what it feels like to lose your mama. You know what it feels like to lose that child. You know what it feels like to lose that business. You know what it feels like to be turned away. You know what it felt like to be abused. And I'm trying to help you because I need you to help somebody else. But when you receive the comfort and the help that I have for you, it doesn't mean you're not going to have more trouble. It just means that the trouble won't last and it won't experience it the way you did before. 
for because you're not without help. You're not without support. You're not without a family. You're not without a future. You're not without a hope. You have hope in God. You have a future in God. And you just need to say, I'm going to be resilient. I'm going to decide to accept what God has for me. This is my favorite verse. And in just a, just tomorrow, I've told you, some of you, my story of how I grew up without my dad. I told you about not seeing him for 20 years. I told you about the relationship that we rebuilt and the relationship that that rebuilding process was a process that I initiated. Let's just be honest. It wasn't a process he initiated. It was a process I initiated because I knew I had to get past this trouble. I couldn't live with the pain of being fatherless the rest of my life. I had to move past it and I sought him and we and I sought restoration and it's taken 10 years. 10 years and I decided I'm going to honor him and what I did not know was that God was going to give me a son and I did not know that in the relationship I had with my son that God was healing me and tomorrow about this time my father I'm going to see my father tomorrow in Dallas Texas and he is going to see my son for the first time Y'all not feeling me what I'm saying. He is going to see my son for the first time. And he is going to see a son that is loved and that is cared for and that is my pride and joy. And this is what I realized in the process. That my dad loved me the same way and I never knew it. And so if I had stopped that, I don't have a dad in my life. And I had stopped that. Well, he left me. He didn't want me. If I stopped there, I'd never be able to tell anybody else, no, you can make that right. No, you can rebuild that relationship. No, you can find that healing because I'm telling you, there is a God that will heal you in every type of discomfort and trouble that you have. I am a witness to the restoration of a fatherless son to honor the man that I thought left me and bring honor to a son that God gave me and be able to see generationally my father, me, and my son in the same place. So this is lasting too long. This is lasting too long. This struggle with this substance is lasting too long. And God's like, I'm not mad at you. I just need you to allow me to work in your life. I want to pray for you today for somebody. Because I know it's hard. Sometimes we reject the help that God has for us. I understand. It's not my, it's not my, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I learned that, which is great. I don't take, take it personal anymore. But I need to give the invitation. I just want to give, ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want to give the invitation today for someone to just simply surrender to what God has for them. While everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want you to be bold. If you know that's you, you're saying, you know what, God, I'm the one 
that needs to move past this. You're absolutely right. This is taking too long. I want freedom. I want to move forward. And you know that's you. You know there's something God needs to do in your life. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. I see you. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Just be as bold as the enemy has been bold to you. Just put that hand up in the air and knock him back down. Praise God. I see you. I see every single hand that is raised. I want to pray for you. Would you keep that hand up? Would you be bold. Lord, Father, I pray for every hand that was risen. Every person in here that acknowledges that they're ready to move past this trouble. They want victory. They want to be strong. They want to be bold. There's something inside of them that is calling them to a better future and they know it. And it starts today with the surrender to you, the God of comfort. And Father, I pray for them that they will receive the comfort that you have for them, that is tailor-made for them, that is just for them, the God of comfort. pray that you move right now. And I pray that you'll show them and reveal to them the assignment that you've given them, the person that you've given them to help. And Father, we know that things don't come easy and it doesn't happen overnight. But Lord, we are willing to walk through the process and the journey. And so I thank you for the victory. I thank you for the healing. I thank you for the strength that is coming right now. And that the Spirit of God, the God of comfort, is giving us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, you can put your hand down. Amen. Now why don't we put our hands together and thank God for the God of healing the God who restores the God of all comfort.